The following audio is from Jacobswell Church. For more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Do you remember the song, We Are the World? I know you're wondering, what does this have to do with Christmas? I'll get there, okay? But maybe you've heard the song, We Are the World. It was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and the purpose of this song was to raise money for humanitarian efforts to send to Africa. And this song was wildly popular. It topped the music charts and it became the fastest selling American pop single in American history. Now, if you are familiar with this song, you know that what makes this song so unique is the number of artists that gave voice to this song. There were 37 different singers that sang as a part of this song. and They all had their unique parts of the song, but they combined together for this one song. You know, the, the, the variety, the difference of these singers is just astounding to me. As I look this up, you have everyone from Waylon Jennings to Paul Simon to Smokey Robinson to Bette Midler to Bob Dylan, Tina Turner, the Jackson Five, the Pointer Sisters, Willie Nelson, Huey Lewis, Without the News, Ray Charles, Bruce Springsteen, Cindy Lauper. And Stevie Wonder. I mean, what a wide variety of people to bring together to sing this song. Over this Advent season, we have been looking at the Christmas praise found in the Gospel of Luke. And these praises have come from quite a diverse group of people. These praises have come from a young teenage girl, from an elderly priest. It's come from angelic, uh, heavenly angelic beings. It's come from outcast shepherds. It's come from a wide variety of people. And they all have uniqueness in their praises. And yet it is all part of a single song. A song of Christmas praise as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if I can do as well as these kids did in the video, but I want to just take a moment and this morning just simply revisit this story. Connect the dots of the Christmas praise and how it continues on to today. You know, last night, it's interesting, I was, I was flipping through the channels and I saw It's a Wonderful Life on TV. Again, right? It's on every Christmas Eve because some stories never grow old. And this is a story that should never grow old to us because it is the best story. And so we know this story behind this song of Christmas praise starts with this young couple, Joseph and Mary, right? And Joseph and Mary are engaged. And like anybody, they have dreams, they have aspirations. They dream of one day having this wonderful wedding, inviting all of their relatives and having this great banquet over days. They dream of having a house that their kids can grow up in, a house where Joseph will come home from work and give his bride a kiss and wrestle with the kids on the floor, and then we'll eat dinner together, and they'll do devotional time together. These are simple dreams that they had, dreams that many of us have. And yet we know that God had another plan for their life, another calling for their life that would interrupt their dreams and even bring a greater dream to life. An angel appears before Mary and tells her that she will conceive and she will bear a son and that he will be the son of God, the savior of the world. And she asks, how could this be? I am a virgin. And he says that the power of the most high will overshadow you for nothing is impossible with God. Well, Mary being a young teenage pregnant girl, you can imagine, is 
is confused, is overwhelmed, maybe scared. And so Mary heads out of town. And Mary goes to visit her Aunt Elizabeth, who is quite older than her. And as she goes, she discovers her Aunt Elizabeth is also pregnant, which is also miraculous because she's an elderly woman. But as Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, something amazing happens. A baby jumps in her womb. The baby in her womb is John the Baptist. And Elizabeth addresses her young niece by calling her the mother of my Lord. Now Mary stays with Elizabeth for a time. And during this time, she's processing everything that she's heard from the angel and from her fiancé and from Elizabeth. And she's starting to grasp the greatness of the child that is developing in her own womb. And so she begins. She begins the song of Christmas praise, declaring, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Mary returns home, and Elizabeth gives birth to a child. Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, take this child to the temple to be circumcised, dedicated to, the God, dedicated to God, and at the same time to name this child. The people at the temple ask Elizabeth, what do you want to name this child? And she says, we want to name him John. They don't think it's right because there's no one in her family named John. And so they ask again, are you sure? And she said, yes, we want to name this child John. They still don't believe her. And so they turn to Zechariah, who has been made mute because of his disbelief. And they say, what do you want to name this child? In a great, in a great moment of declaring his faith, he says, the child's name shall be John. And at that moment, his tongue is loosened. He is no longer mute. And immediately, he carries on the song of Christmas praise that was started by Mary. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah declares, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now, as Mary is in Nazareth with her fiancé, Joseph, both by the whim of Caesar and the providence of God, a census is commanded, and people are called to go back to their hometown to register for this census. And so Joseph and Mary go back to their hometown and to the hometown of David to register for this for the census. And so they travel, both Joseph and a very pregnant Mary, sixty miles to Bethlehem. And they travel without modern conveniences of a car or an airplane. They travel by foot, by donkey, to get to Bethlehem, to get to the town of David. And as they arrive there, they find out that it is time. Mary starts having contractions. There is no place for them in the end to stay, and so they make their place in a manger, a dirty, filthy, holy manger where the Son of God, Jesus, would be born into the world. The glory of this birth, the glory of God coming to earth, would have remained largely unnoticed if it wasn't for the angels. An angel comes to the shepherds that are outside the town of Bethlehem, 
and says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Heaven is overwhelmed by this birth announcement. And so they join the angel and they start singing praises to God and they carry on this song of Christmas praise, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The shepherds are there witnessing the angels praising God. Could you imagine what an amazing sight that would have been to have the dark sky pierced by this light as they delight and glorify and worship the Lord? Well, the angels leave and the shepherds say to one another, as in this video, let's go check this out. Let's go see what happened. And so they journey to Bethlehem and they find this baby lying in the manger, just as was told by the angels. And they tell Mary and Joseph what the angels had said to them. And then they join this Christmas song of praise by glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Now, like most Mothers and babies, I'm sure Mary and Joseph needed some time to rest, some time to recover. But on the eighth day, they take baby Jesus, Mary and Joseph take baby Jesus to the temple to have him circumcised and to dedicate him to God and to name him. And so they give him the name Jesus as the angel told him. Jesus is the name Yeshua, which is Joshua, which means Yahweh saves or the Lord saves. And so they dedicate their child to the Lord. And then they go away and they come back 33 days later, 40 days after the birth of Jesus. And the reason they come back to the temple 40 days after the birth of Jesus is because they have two important items of business. The first item of business is to complete Mary's ceremonial purification. Because of the birth, she was deemed ceremonially unclean, and she had to come bringing an offering to purify her that she might re-engage in temple worship. But the second act of business for them was to offer Jesus to the Lord, to give Jesus over to the Lord. In Exodus chapter 1, the Lord says to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. And so Mary and Joseph would come to the temple 40 days after the birth of Jesus to complete Mary's Mary's ceremonial purification, but also to present and consecrate their oldest born son to the Lord. Now, as they were entering the temple, as they pressed their way in, they are they are approached by a stranger. And the stranger's name is Simeon. Luke 2 tells us that Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit, that he is a righteous and devout man waiting for the consolation or the, the comfort of Israel. You see, God had made Simeon an amazing promise. God told Simeon that before Simeon died, he would see the Lord's Christ. He would see the Lord's anointed one. He would see the long-expected Savior. And so Simeon went to the temple day after day, week after week, year after year, surveying all of the children that came through, wondering which one of these might be the Savior, which one might be the Christ, which one might be the anointed one. But on that day, that 40th day after the birth of Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, 
Simeon saw Jesus and he knew. He knew this was the Christ, the anointed one. And Simeon, I'm guessing, fixed his eyes upon this child, moved through the crowd, making sure he didn't lose him, and he approaches him and he asks the mother and father, can I hold this child? And they oblige. And as he holds the baby, Simeon continues the song of Christmas praise. The one begun by Mary and continued by Zechariah and the angels and the shepherds. And Simeon says this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Why does Simeon praise God? Simeon praises God because Christmas means he has found peace for his soul. You know, Simeon is confirming by sight and he is holding in his arms what he has believed by faith that God was fulfilling his ancient promises. His promise to send the seed of Eve to to come and crush the Satan. His promise to send a descendant of David to rule God's people for all eternity. And his promise to send a Savior to redeem the people of the earth. And so Simeon, as he holds this baby Jesus, says, Lord, I can now die in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. Now the good news is that The salvation was not just for Simeon, and it was not just for the Israelites. He continues to say that it is for all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are non-Jews, which is me and probably most of you. And so the good news is that God has sent a Savior for all people. This is the common thread that goes through all of these Christmas praises, is that this baby is Savior, Now, what's so interesting is if you read on, Simeon has this kind of cryptic phrase, this cryptic prophecy about how this Jesus, this baby, will save the world. And what he says is the way that the salvation will be accomplished is in a way that would pierce Mary's soul. That would pierce Mary's soul. And so I wonder, I wonder if Mary, as she saw her grown son Jesus betrayed, as she saw her grown son spit upon and beaten, if she, if she remembered this prophecy of Simeon. I wonder if she, as she saw Jesus hanging upon the cross, dying for the sins of his people, if she remembered this prophecy, that it would pierce her own soul. But I also wonder if she forgot this prophecy when her son rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. You see, Simeon continues the song of Christmas praise because he had seen the Lord's salvation. It's a song of Christmas praise that was started by Mary in the Magnificat, continued by Zechariah after the birth of his son. It's the song of Christmas praise exalted by the angels in the birth announcement and the song of Christmas praise repeated by the shepherds who beheld their Savior. Simeon continued the song of Christmas praise but he did not finish it. The song of Christmas praise has continued throughout the history of the church, and it continues today in the worldwide church. And today, we continue that song of Christmas praise as we proclaim the great truths of Christmas, as we sing of his glory, and as we delight 
in our Savior. Let me end with this. Yesterday morning, I had some papers up here. They might have disappeared. Yesterday morning, we, uh, we opened presents as a family, just our immediate family, my wife and I and our, our four kids. And uh, when we woke up, the kids were bouncing off the walls, which is, which is understandable and I think probably right. They're excited to open presents. And so we race downstairs and they get the stuff out of their stockings. And then it's time to open the presents under the tree. And, uh, and as we get ready to open the presents under the tree, something very odd happens. My, my two oldest children run out of the room. They murmur something, run out of the room. I couldn't quite understand them. And I thought this is very strange because what child in their right mind runs away from Christmas presents? I don't know. So, but they run away and they come back about 30 seconds later. And they come back with these pieces of paper. And they hand them to me and to Trish. And one card says this, to dad from Caleb. Thank you for teaching me how to play sports and skills. And then there's a picture of Caleb dribbling a basketball and a picture of me over to the side with arrows and me yelling, pass. The other card said, to mom and dad, Merry Christmas. And then when you open it, it says, mom, I'm thankful that you make us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm happy that you teach me math and reading. And then in quotation marks, school. And it says, Dad, I'm thankful that you take me snowboarding and sledding too. Thank you that you work so hard so that we can have money and food. <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then it says, love, Corbin. You know, as, as I received these cards, you know, all the words may or may not have been spelled correctly. And these pictures may never hang in a museum but when I received these unsolicited cards, it melted my heart and it delighted my heart because this was one of the most precious gifts I had ever received because they were from my kids and they were completely unsolicited. You know, God has given us his greatest gift in giving us his son, Jesus Christ, the savior of our souls. And yet this Christmas, we have an opportunity to give a gift to God, to give an offering to God, to give our praise and thanksgiving to God. As we gather today and continue this ancient song of Christmas praise, we don't have to dig deep to recognize that our Christmas praise is not perfect by any means. Our Christmas praise is distracted by random thoughts, by sinful attitudes. It's interrupted by little silly temper tantrums. And yet, as we continue the song of Christmas praise this season, begun by Mary, as imperfect as our Christmas praise is, it delights the heart of God because he is our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you have created us to sing, that you have created us to sing the good news of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for our church family. Thank you for this church that we can gather in its warmth and declare your praises. God, pray that as we continue in this service, but also after this service, that we would not stop praising you for the good news of Christmas, that it would surge in our hearts, that we would delight in you, and that we would offer you our praise as muddled as it is, because we know that you, as a good father who loves his children, delights in our praise. May that be our story this Christmas.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This